And now, Tim Dillon is going to hell! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tim Dillon is going to hell. This is Tim Dillon. Uh, we're doing an episode today that not everybody is going to love. I think there might be some people that uh, have a negative reaction to this episode. And understandably so, you know, perhaps. Um, I think the reaction of the person might be negative and that's understandable. But I, I don't think the reaction to the conversation will be negative. Um, this is somebody that I've wanted to have on for a while because I have a personal history with this person. Uh, this person has done many things in his career. He was a co-founder of Vice. Um, he's had many different shows. Um, and I think many of you know who I'm talking about, and it is Gavin McInnes. And uh, Gavin, for those of you who don't know, um, had a show that a lot of comedians went on. Um, he had hour long conversations with comedians. You would know comedians that were left wing comedians that were, you know, more right wing. And, uh, Gavin was a frequent guest on red eye. And a lot of comedians would go on red eye and we would all sit there and yuck it up with Gavin. And, you know, Gavin has had many differences of opinion with comics and they were all done in a respectful way. Um, and my personal story with Gavin is that I did a show a few times, and I think he was the one who uh, got me on Red Eye, which was a show that Tom Shalhoub hosted on Fox News, and it was at 3 a.m. Not the highest rated show on the network, clearly, but it was a show where a lot of comedians would go on and, you know, have fun and talk shit, and basically there was this weird intersection of comedy and politics and culture and that's where gavin lived i mean gavin was a funny guy he was kind of a troll and he was you know a lot of the you know things he would do had a performative aspect and of course a lot of people know the know the story you know about the the proud boys which was um you know in some people's mind and i think in gavin's mind it was oh you know he would tell you it was a harmless men's club and some other people might tell you it's a violent gang and maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle and we'll let him tell you that. Um, but for me, the story is about a guy who co-founded um, a large media company, a billion-dollar media company, Vice, and a, a, a liberal media company. And then now is banned from many if not all social media platforms i think it's an interesting story that's an interesting trajectory for a career to take um and to me knowing gavin not well but knowing him you know somewhat socially um it was an interesting conversation to get into how that happened and again there's going to be a lot of people that uh criticize my choice to have him on you're giving somebody a platform blah 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 you can't, you've, you've heard all these arguments before um and you know gavin still has a podcast he's on youtube um 
he's somebody that I think um, has a story and that that story in and of itself is fascinating. You may hate him. You may think he's dangerous. You may think that the uh, you know Proud Boys are a violent organization. Um, you might think that he is a net negative on public discourse, and you might think that he should be completely shut out of every um, outlet. He shouldn't be able to speak. But the way that I think about it is that if your fear is violence and you want a world that is less violent, you can't shut down all the avenues to communication. That's something that I believe. That's something that I think people that I respect believe, which is why Joe Rogan has had certain people on because he's having conversations with people. Gavin has said things that I would absolutely disagree with, and I would absolutely call him out and go, that's bullshit, and we could have a a debate about it. But I don't think simply that him uttering any of those things makes me feel unsafe. I don't believe that that is a good way to think about um, having conversations and that words and conversations necessarily make people unsafe. I think that actions make people unsafe. And that's why we have laws. We have laws that protect people. And that's why you have to defend the rights of people you disagree with and the rights of people that you feel you feel their ideas are dangerous. That's the reality. Nazis have a right to speak. The KKK has a right to speak. The Supreme Court uh, ruled on those cases, not because they like Nazis, but because the right to speak is a fundamental right. And those people have ideas that are dangerous. But Gavin's more interesting than that. I think there's a much more of a gray area here. And I know that we're very uncomfortable living in a gray area, but if I'm going to do a show where I talk to people, I'm going to have to live in that gray area to an extent, and I'm going to have to make personal choices and live by them. And the gray area is where comedy comes from, okay? Great comedy doesn't come from rigid fundamentalist thinking. just doesn't. Neither do great conversations and great discussion. You have to be open to talking to people. And that gray area is, I think, something that needs to be explored. And I don't think we should push people into black and white. We shouldn't put people in boxes. And by the way, this is not to say that I agree with any of the decisions that Gavin has made. And this is not to say that he doesn't regret a lot of those decisions. But I feel the same way about Gavin that I feel about Alex Jones and that I feel about lots of different people who have said things that I may consider to be abhorrent or maybe have inspired actions that I disagree with directly or indirectly. I believe that there's probably a lot more of a gray area than a lot of people are willing to concede or admit. And so it's in the spirit of that, and it's in the spirit of somebody who makes a living. I make my living speaking into a microphone, whether it's on a stage or while doing a podcast. That is how I make my living. I can never cheer for the deplatforming of people, and I can never cheer for the silencing of people. That's not in me. I was, a, a, I was on debate team in, in, in college, and I loved arguing with people, and that was part of what I thought the strength of this country was, was that you could do those things. I just can't, and I may, you know, think that somebody is just completely helpless 
meaning that I can't reach them, that logic and argument has completely failed. But at that point, you have to really make a decision. And the decision is you're living in a country with a lot of people that are never going to see eye to eye with you. Are you going to coerce them forcefully, physically, violently to agree with you? Or are you going to adopt some form of, of live and let live? You know, fundamentalist Christians don't think that gay people should get married or adopt kids or anything like that. You know, am I going to spend the rest of my life converting everybody who believes those things? Should I, am I going to spend the rest of my life chasing those people down, harassing them, uh, making sure they can't earn a living, making sure that they shouldn't be able to have a business? Is it a good use of my time on planet Earth? Is it a good use of anyone's time? And by the way, this isn't to minimize the, the violence clashes or whatever that the Proud Boys have been involved in. I don't, I'm not claiming to have any information about that that uh, is, you know, definitive. I don't, I've said all groups suck. I wouldn't want to be in any type of club. And I certainly wouldn't want to be in a club where you're running around getting in violent altercations with people that disagree with you politically. It's completely ridiculous, you know? That being said, I think this podcast is about a conversation with somebody that I knew, I had a personal relationship with, never close. We didn't know each other that well, but he always treated me with respect. And I went on his show and he said some crazy fucking things. Some of them were very funny. Some of them were just very crazy. And that person I've seen spiral out of control. And a lot of the events around him seemed to spiral out of control. And I wonder how much control he had over some of them. And maybe he had more than I thought. I, I don't know. But watching it and then watching people, you know, basically decide that this guy is Hitler and this guy should never have a platform and this guy should never be listened to. And there's no curiosity about what happened and how it happened and how this guy that, you know, would sit down and talk to comedians and goof around on red eye became public enemy number one, you know, and the FBI watch list. And I think they took them off or they reclassified the proud boys. I don't really know, but watching this stuff happen and watching this unfold has been kind of wild to me. And I, I kind of had a front row seat for a lot of it, not for a lot of the events that I'm describing, but for the very beginning, just meeting Gavin, knowing him, going on the show along with a lot of other comedians, and then just sitting back and being plugged into the climate that we live in and watching people get deplatformed and watching what's happened to Gavin and watching the whole situation kind of spiral out of control. And you can make your own decision on Gavin and you can make your own decision on what he's saying. You could, if you find him to be truthful or if you, um, I'm not, I, my goal is not to be like, this is a sympathetic character. It's not to be, um, you know, this is not a PR thing, but I just want to have a conversation with a guy that I kind of knew about how things got so crazy. So if you're mad at me about that, I don't know what to tell you. This is really, this is the podcast. We've had a lot of people on the show. Some of them I agree with. Some of them I don't. But everybody I've had on the show, I find that it's either been entertaining or it's been interesting. And if you don't live a little bit in those gray areas as a performer or as somebody who communicates, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what kind of show you're going to have if you're only going to have people on that are approved uh, 
by the you know the, the Twitter mob or by mainstream um, media outlets. If you're just going to talk to those people, you know you're going to have a certain kind of show. But that's never the show that I wanted to do. And those are the stories that have never really interested me. These are the stories that interest me. And uh, so we're going to have this conversation. No, we're not. I'm not at home. Oh, good. You're at an undisclosed location. Yes. Like There's Dick Cheney. Yes. How are, how are you? How are you doing? How are Because I know that you've had a lot of you've been you're off all these things. And it's got to be for a guy like you who this is your whole career. This is what you did for a living for years is communicate with people. Is this driving you nuts? You know, I, I started this, I started Vice in 1994. I've been doing this a long time and I've seen all these ups and downs. And I remember, you know, the PMRC when it was all about rock and roll and Twisted Sister are going to ruin our kids. So this is just one of the many waves that I've seen come and go. But, uh, you know, I, for a few years before Twitter, I didn't have Twitter and I did okay. It, it, it's frustrating on a different level, though. It's frustrating that the culture has come to this. Yeah. And that's, that's irritating. I mean, I got my new site out now, freespeech.tv. Um, and Twitter, it, the, the annoying thing about not being on Twitter is not not being on Twitter. It's that someone is controlling the conversation and deciding who gets to say what and how they can say it. And, and that's what's disturbing. It's more like the concept. It's not the actual day-to-day or me personally. I just don't like it yeah. as, as a, an American. And I, and I think you, more than most people, unfortunately, are unable to defend yourself against some of the things that are said about you. Because I have arguments with people about you, and they, they say things like Nazi and white supremacist. And I'm like, that's never been my experience with this guy ever. And I don't know. And listen, I'm sure that we disagree on things, or whatever, but. The idea that you're some kind of Nazi or that you're some kind of white supremacist or that you hate uh, gay people or whatever, I, none of that to, from, is, is, is anybody's experience that knows you personally or that has been on your show. But yet now that you can't really now that you have no way to communicate with people, they can kind of say those things about you and you are now you can't even respond. Yeah, it's I think that's the plan. The plan is uh, it all comes back to Trump at the end of the day that I think that the left realized they don't have any candidates. They don't have any policies. They should go on infrastructure and health care or something, you know, real. But that probably didn't pass well with the kids. So they go, okay, let's be radical, radical Muslims in in the White House and Cortez saying no more fossil fuels and abortion the day a baby's born. Let's just go fucking all out because Trump won and he went all out. See, they're basing it on the assumption that Trump won by being a Nazi. And they go, okay, they'll all be the anti-Nazi. But they're wrong about Trump won because normal people, working class people can identify with him. Right. He's not fucking Nazi dummies. So they put all their eggs on this basket based on a wrong assumption. Are you disappointed? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, a, it's the wrong assumption. Is Everybody, it, we, we saw with comedians, comedians that work the road knew Trump was going to win. I would go on yes. the road and I would talk to people. And these people aren't white supremacists. They fucking live in Ohio and they're pissed. And they're, the factory they worked at is gone. And their kids are addicted to opioids. And they, there's all kinds of problems. And they're concerned about immigration. And, and, and they felt like they didn't have a voice. And the comics that were on the road knew that. 
and the comics that were in writers' rooms in New York and L.A. that only hung out with really Ivy League millionaires, to be honest, that's who's in those writing rooms, uh, were shocked. And those were the people that when Trump won were throwing tantrums and crying and laying on the floor of NBC. And I mean, but we all knew it was going to happen. What do you and, and most people don't really know that I think the, the the Proud Boys was like a satirical thing that you did. And it was like a, a men's club that was based on a joke, really. And it was it was a funny thing the way that it was f- first conceived. Yeah, it still is. Right. It's still that like it hasn't occurred to anyone that there's some humor involved, that someone who's patriotic and loves Trump could also have a sense of humor. I mean, they have an offshoot called the Margarita Boys right. that wear Hawaiian shirts and only drink margaritas. And they're like the sinister history of margaritas or they'll always twist it that way. And sorry to finish what I was saying about the Trump Nazi thing. I got knocked off track because technology is confusing me. But um, here's an analogy, right? Tim Dillon. I'm competing with Tim Dillon for this local comedy thing. Tim Dillon's doing really well. He got where he is today because he's a very effeminate gay who wears a tutu. <laughs> And he's always dancing around and lisping, and he's always got his hands like, hey, girl. So I'm going to uh, compete with him by saying, I hate fags, and I'm the anti-gay guy, right? Right. And then people start saying, actually, that's not Tim's deal at all. He doesn't, he's not remotely effeminate. And I go, hmm, I know, I'll just make it impossible for anyone to say that and to defend, and then I'll just keep going with this gay suck thing. And based on this false assumption that Tim's doing well because he's a raging queen. And that's what they're doing with Trump. They go, Trump's a Nazi. All right. Uh, we're going to be the anti-Nazi. And then people go, yeah, we're not that. We're Ohio people. Uh, we're, we're Gavin. And they go, uh, cut him off, cut him off and cut him off. I need to keep pushing this Nazi thing if I'm going to win the election. So I think the rest of the country is sitting there going, I've met Tim. He doesn't wear tutus. What are you talking about? Actually, no one wears tutus. What are you talking about? And right. they go, shut up. Band, your band, you stop talking about tutus, okay? And then they have signs on their lawns that say tutus have no home here. And you're like, what fucking tutus? Like right. all we were all over Connecticut this the uh, shooting a sketch today. And there's all these signs with hate has no home here. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Does rape have no home here? What hate? You don't allow clan rallies in your house? Congrats. Wow, what a radical stance. Do you see, though, that like there are, I think, you know, certain uh, parts of the right that are really invested in. And by the way, also on the left that are really invested in like purely racialized stuff, which is you see it on the far right and you see it on the far left salon and slate. Every article is white men suck to pay, you know, everything that's ever been done wrong in history comes from the colonial era of, of white guys, you see it, but you do see that there are some of those guys on the right where it's like all about race. But if you look at a photo of the proud boys, they're not white. Like I showed this photo. I was at dinner the other night in Los Angeles. I took a photo and and said, these are the proud boys that you guys call white supremacists. They're not white. So if I can continue with this analogy, they just go, Tim is hiding his tutu in his pants. It's tucked in there. Like the daily beast. Does that analogy annoy you by the way? No, I love it. I think it's a good analogy. Uh, th- there was a, th- the Daily Beast did an article and it was called Multiracial White Supremacy. <laughs> and you go, Jesus Christ, you guys just cannot get knocked off these rails. It's, it's like, 
this guy's this guy's a, a pedophile. Really, he's never been near kids. He's married to a woman ten years older than him. The strange life of pedophiles, <laughs> where they will date a woman ten years older and keep it bottled in, and then they 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 go like, well, really, black immigrants like from Africa are doing better than blacks here. Is it really such a why? Like, why are Asians doing so well for such a racist country? Or whites are like seven on the ethnic uh, uh, as far as uh, ethnic groups as far as success in America. Whites yeah. are number seven. You got Asians and you know Jews and everyone way above them. African immigrants, Lebanese, all above them. And then they go, well, it's it's not that tangent. It's it's in the air. It's it's latent. It's it's invisible. It's a microaggression. You go, you sound like a weird Puritan from the founding fathers, like the 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 Pilgrims. You sound like a weird humorless Pilgrim that hates blasphemy because they to them it's a religion. And you hit them with all this logic. And they just go, the strange life, or it's complicated, or, you know, he's racist, he's married to a black woman. Some slave owners would uh, bang their slaves. And you're like, what the, you got to go back 150 years to find an example of your crazy theory. But right. when we're all silenced, we can't explain that. So they just go, yeah, whatever. And, and by the way, when people say bad shit about me to you, just say, he didn't say that. Because they'll pull up some quote, and it'll be from some liberal source like the SPLC or Huffington Post. And these are what your enemies think of you. So, of course, they're going to take jokes out of context. And, of course, they're going to have a, a biased view. Like, uh, if if you ask the Red Sox fans about the Yankees, you're going to hear all this horrible shit and go, the Yankees are the worst, shittiest, most evil team in the history of baseball. They don't watch the Yankees play. They just hear the Red Sox version. Yeah, the new thing now that a lot of people do is they say, well, this or that person is anti-trans. Now, anti-trans is like this, you know, it's this description of somebody. And then you go, well, what do you mean by anti-trans? Like, do I believe that there are 400 genders? No, I don't believe that. I, I believe that biology and gender are linked. That's, you know, and by the way, not only me, that's hundreds of years of science. Uh, and, and also I, I look at a lot of what's going on when I see like this kid, this Desmond, the amazing kid who's dancing on a bar and men are throwing money at him. I'm like, this seems to be child abuse. I'm a gay guy and I'm deeply uncomfortable with some of what's going on where I look at this stuff and I go, and I talk to older gay people. Some of them are terrified because they can't say anything because they'll lose their job or they work in the, the entertainment business. But there's a lot of people that are uncomfortable. And the whole thing is like the, the trans thing of like gender not not being informed by biology flies in the face of the gay thing immediately. Because if you're a gay guy and you're attracted to a dude, if a woman says I'm a man, it doesn't matter. It's like I said the other night. It's like if I identified as thin, if you want an in shape person and I say I identify as a, as a, a guy who does triathletes, but you go, it doesn't matter. It's there's a biological facts that fly in the face of what you're saying. So one of the things that people will say about you is they go, well, Gavin is anti-trans. And I'm like, well, it's not just a anti or pro thing. It's a deeply complicated issue. I was like, I don't think Gavin cares what private people do in, in their homes or whatever. But I think, yeah, I don't think Gavin's going to be forgiving hormones to kids, but neither am I. And neither are a lot of people that I talk to. Is that it, because that seems to be trans seems to be the new thing. It's the new one. That seems to be the new litmus test. Yeah, I don't know. I think they might be abandoning trans. I think they, they realize they got into bed with mentally ill gays 
And they went, uh, you guys are not making the greatest allies. You're fucking weird. So, so they're moving who, on. Yeah, who's next? Now who's, it's just anyone who's, I think, women and people of color. Like the, you see shirts that say the future is female. And the left is now saying, if you're a white male, white straight male, don't run for office. We don't need you. Uh, you're done. So they've, they've seemed to have focused, even Martin Luther King, like he, he didn't focus on identity politics enough. And they're sort of like, nah, fuck him. This is a deal. It's about being a person of color, a woman or a gay. And trans, I don't think trans panned out for them. But to get back to the trans thing, what, what I, I wrote an article about five years ago called uh, Transphobia is Perfectly Natural. And what I was saying is, you're at Thanksgiving. Your dad shows up. He's Caitlyn Jenner. He's dating, you know, Caitlyn Jenner's new girlfriend is like this dude named Sophia who just became trans and used to be like a Ben Shapiro type of kid. And he's about 21. So, and he looks like Jar Jar Binks in drag. So, because of his fucking weird lips. So your dad comes in. He's like, hi, everyone. I'm a lady. And he's with this 22-year-old dumbfounded Jar Jar Binks just going, hi, I'm a lady too. We're in love. And the idea that your whole family is going to not be crying at the at the Thanksgiving dinner and just be going, hey, what's up, Katie? Hi. Uh, and it's just a fucking lie. If, if your brother shows up with tits at Christmas, you're not going to be like, hey, Katie, what's going on? You're kidding yourself if you're going to do that. And God forbid they should get a vagina. Well, my whole attitude on it is like, listen, if you're an adult and you want to transition, good for you. I don't I don't know the numbers of people that either detransition because there's supposedly numbers that are pretty striking of people that are like, I don't know any of that, but if you're an adult and you want to do that, what, you know, if you feel, if that makes you happier as a person, good. But to me, the problem is you cannot give children hormones to block puberty because now we're like, this is fucking insane. And I get in trouble for saying that and people don't like that I'm saying that. But I really feel that by screwing up a child's development, it's sick. Yeah, Tim, that's easy, though. That's easy um, to say that we shouldn't give children hormones and we shouldn't have Desmond the Amazing dancing at a gay yeah. bar at two in the morning where they're putting money in his pants. And he shouldn't be on a podcast with Michael Ailig, who just did 20 years for dismembering his meth dealer and he's that desmond is acting kind of catatonic in front of a painting that says rohypnol which is a date rape drug none of that should be happening. but i think that's pretty simple it's pretty easy as far as the adult thing goes you know what i bet there's like 17 people in america that would be better off with the sex change uh not yeah, the thousand yeah. thousand are doing it. here's yeah. another thing their suicide rate is off the fucking charts. It's worse than Jews in 1943 in Germany. They have a higher suicide rate than that particular demographic. Well, wait a minute. Why would, why would Jews killing themselves in 1943? Was, wasn't somebody doing that for them? Because it was a horrific time. They lost their family and they, their children were just killed and they're losing the fucking... I think if, if a country went to the trouble to exterminate a race of people, I think it's pretty inconsiderate to kill yourself. See, you can't make jokes like that anymore. I can't. We're, I'm so in trouble already for this podcast. I figure who gives a fuck. I mean, who, both. But, but here's the thing I say about the adult trans thing, because I, I hope the kids trans thing is a given. The adult trans thing is, look, if it has to happen and, and they're, they're suicidal, if they don't do it, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. But when we encourage it, what we're doing is taking normal gays 
and making them do really serious permanent things to their body that they then become suicidal because a lot of them, the, they, they have problems like they're bipolar and they're depressed and they think it's all because of this penis or it's all because of these tits. And then they make the operation and they go, holy fuck, I'm still depressed. I'm still bipolar. It didn't fix it. And they kill themselves. So we have to stop encouraging someone to go into basically a demographic where they're Jews in 1943. Like, why are you sending all these these gays with troubles into the death camps? That's what you're really doing. And there's these these radicals in Britain that they're called TERFs, trans-exclusionary radical feminists. And their whole thing is like, why you have they're British, why are you having young lesbians cut their breasts off, sever their breasts? Like, try being a gay for a while and then get back to me. If you think you're a, a little a woman uh, and you're 13 and you want to do something permanent like take hormones, because those make you infertile, by the way, just become 18, put on some red leather short shorts and dance around the West Village for a while. I have a feeling that's going to put out the fire and you're going to come back to me and go, thank God I did not lose this diamond gem between my legs. Right. Yeah. I, I've always said, like, I I don't obviously I've I've spoken to trans people. I know that there are people that feel better when they have the surgery. I'm sure that that is something. So let me ask you a question. You're why in your estimation, because you look at this issue a lot. Why are you, you're very pro family people having children? I think you're right about that. I think people should have children. I, I don't know what people think they're going to do with their life if they don't have children. Uh, why are people not, you know, having kids specifically, you know, well-to-do people that live in cities, uh, are not really having kids or that they live in the suburbs or maybe they have one kid. Uh, do you think it's uh, the result of social engineering? Do you think it's just that people have gotten too comfortable and what, what is it? That because a lot of people they took you know they talk white genocide and all this stuff and it's like well no it's just people aren't having kids they you know white people are choosing to not have children or to have one child families what is that is that just people that are yeah it's definitely conditioning it's definitely cool to shit on the family it, it's definitely in to turn women into colostomy bags for everyone's cum and they're just a booty call instead of a a loving mom. Um, but there is a genetic component to it. It's part of God's design for some strange reason I haven't figured out. But you see this, like even in Mexico, their GDP is going up. They're getting a larger middle class. Their, their, their standard of living is going up. And as their standard of living goes up, their birth rate's going down. Same with Japan. As they get more affluent, their birth rate goes down. I don't know why he put this in the program, but for some reason, when we get to a certain level of wealth, we cut down the kids. It's a miserable thing to do. I mean, I had three, I started at 36 and I just look at them and think, fuck, why did I wait so late? And why did I, I can't have more now. My wife's ancient, but I, I wish I had five. What the fuck have I done? And I want to tell this to all these other young women that, you know, outside of this genetic trait that's, that makes rich people not want to have kids. Cause I, I don't know, they're too rich. <laughs> I want to say you're going to regret it. Like that's the other thing with my whole crusade to have kids. It's not like I anything about demographics of the population or white genocide or any of that shit. It's I'm 48 and I see all these women go, what have I done? I see them spending 20 grand on fertility drugs. All, I, I was one of those people that said the world's overpopulated and we don't need kids. And we don't need more people. Then you look up the population on a, on your computer and you see it go like it goes up 
So you not having kids is not making a fucking difference. From you logging onto that website to you logging out, there's been another 150 kids. What the fuck are you doing with your one grain of sand on the beach changing the world? Um, right. So I, I just want people to stop regretting it because I see these older women, these older single women, and they're fucking miserable. They've got their cats. They're in denial. You know, I, I, I saw this woman, we were talking about her on the show, where she had adopted a chicken, and you're not allowed to have a chicken in Manhattan, so she moved out to the countries where her and the chicken can be happy. Oh, I mean, God. it's fucking pathetic. And she's like, he likes to read the paper with me, and he likes to make the bed. Lady, he's scratching your bed because he thinks it's the ground because he's trying to get seed because he's right. just instincts. That's not your child. It's a fucking chicken. When you look at what's happened, you started Vice in, I think it was a Canadian magazine in like the 90s, late 90s, 96, something like that. 94. 94. Um, when you look, they've grown into this media empire, but they're very big. I think you would agree that they are, you know, a, clearly a left wing, you know, you know, social justice, you know, conscious organization. When you first started that magazine, did you dream or imagine that it was going to be what it ended up being? Or was it because you guys were the counterculture when you started the magazine? You were offensive. You were aggressive and crass. And and now Vice to me, and you correct me if I'm wrong, they seem very mainstream. They don't really seem like they're counterculture at all. Well, you say the Proud Boys started out as a joke and then it became sinister. No, it started out as a, as a joke, a fun, silly club. It still is. It's the water buffaloes from the Flintstones. But the media's perception, when they're so desperate to show that right-wing violence is a thing, they focus on that, and they take shit out of context, and they just out-and-out out lie. My buddy Jeff is going to prison uh, to jail tomorrow for 30 days because he fought back against Antifa when they ambushed him. And there's no right. victim. Antifa refuses to press charges, but it's become politicized. And he's going to spend 30 days in Rikers. Because of this bullshit propaganda. And his lawyer's saying, look, dude, I've never seen this before. The guy's a cop. Uh, sorry, the guy's dad's a cop. 35 years in the force. He's never seen it before. And he goes, something, you pissed off the wrong person. And this trial makes no sense. I don't even want to go to trial because the facts aren't making any impact here. This isn't about that. But, um, yeah, Vice is very different, though. So the Proud Boys have stayed the same, but the perception of them changed on October 12th. Same with my life, by the way. Things were very normal up till October 12th, where someone flicked a switch when I did this talk at the Manhattan Republican Club, the same night that that guy got in a fight and is now going to, to prison tomorrow. Sorry, jail. Prison is more than a year. Do you think, uh, that, pers do you think that person had flipped a switch? Uh, if you had to guess, do you think that that person or group of people had it out for you? Were they waiting? Were they were they looking for the the opportunity to knock you off all of these social I think, media? I yeah. Someone yeah. high up at the DNC said, look, the midterms are coming up. We're known as unhinged and violent. We have to shake that rep or we're going to lose. And then two weeks before I had my talk, they said, put all the eggs in that basket. Get a fight going. We need some sort of violent event. And they were picking fights. They were attacking people. They're getting arrested all day. They they vandalized the venue before. I mean, there was so much shit going on before. And I've talked to that club a million times, and there's never any problem. But this night, it was like banners and flags. And, and the, when the police dispersed the group, they ran around the block and then jumped these Proud Boys who were on their way to the train to go home. You, th and you then, think like Antifa is taking orders from the DNC? Yes, that's been well documented. Okay. The Antifa are the, are the paramilitary wing of the DNC. They're their 
they're, they're shock troops. And it's funny because the DNC couldn't give less of a shit about them. Like they'll hire them a, a good lawyer occasionally. But at Mike Cernovich's A Night for Freedom, Antifa showed up and got it in their heads that there was Nazis everywhere. Some old Jewish guy is leaving the event. They jump on him, start strangling him. He has, goes into cardiac arrest. The cops come up. They start fighting the cops. The dude who did this, he's going to go away for 15 years. Again, this goes back to your tutu. It's all based on a myth. So people are going to jail all over the place for this fucking lie. But anyway, yeah. Vice is a totally different thing. Vice, I think, retained, because I controlled all the content until the day I left uh, in 2008. And I think it maintained that edge. In fact, I had all kinds of rules, like the sales team can't be on the same side of the office as the content. They have to always be adversarial and not get along because that's selling out is when they the, the adver- uh, advertising gets in, in bed with uh, editorial. Um, the day I changed, the sales team took over. And I believe they went SJW because there is no dollar like the babysitter dollar. There's no money like girls 14 to 20. So whatever they believe in. And what do they believe in? Total and utter horseshit about fucking right. gender. Come milkshakes and why some pedophiles are not bad people and you shouldn't judge them and why all guys are jerks. I mean, all this white male stuff is really just like, guys are jerks, you guys. It's like catty 16-year-olds. Now, you, how has this taken a toll on, I, I know that you probably do a lot to just keep, you know, to keep, to normalize everything that's going on, but like, is this taking a toll on your wife? And, you know, I mean, like this whole idea that, you know, hate is no home and people are putting these signs on your lawn. Is your wife ever like, what the fuck did we sign up for? Did she ever wish yeah, that you're, yeah, it, it was, it was really bad for a while, but I've always been trying to red pill her. She's voted for Hillary. She's pro-choice, tons of frustrating stuff. And this and is amazing. Like, this is when people talk about you and they talk about you like you're, I mean, and you, you're, you're married to a woman who's not white, who's a native American and she voted for Hillary and she's pro-choice. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I argued with her so much during the election. I was like, look, the country's going in a direction and you're, we're choosing two different directions. If we were all going to move somewhere, we'd all have to agree to move to the same place. Are we all going to move to Colorado? Okay. I can't move to Colorado. And then you're over in Detroit, which is where you're headed by the way, with this terrible decision, but I couldn't change your mind. But when I was getting pilloried, everyone was so shitty and they they were being such cunts about it that it converted her. Now, she's not pro-Trump by any means, but she's totally lost faith in the left because they terrorized her and her parents and my parents and my brother. Like, it was just fucking insane. They put posters all over my kid's school calling me a Nazi. They put a banner over the highway that leads to my town. Uh, there was, they would harass people who did business with me, bankrupt them, harass bars, harass the landlord of the bar where I had a beer. and. I, I just said to I, everyone, I got on this message board that the locals use, and I said, come to my house, you have a problem with me, you know, and we'll discuss it, tell me the thing I said, and about 15 cool people came by. I mean, the, the trouble with that kind of thing is you're at war with the incurious, and the incurious are never going to come by and ask you. They want their little villain. It's a silly little game for them. It's fashion. But What about this after- argument that I don't put any credence in this argument, but uh, this argument that people go and they find you 
and then they end up down the line at David Duke. Cause this is the argument that people make. And, and it's a stupid argument because it's like, it's the ultimate slippery slope argument. But a lot of people say they, they get in the door through people that are more reasonable and then they they're out the door and they end up with David Duke and Holocaust denial and all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, if you check out the Klan and a lot of, of, you know, serious racists in the South and you check the record collection, I'm sure you'll find a lot of country music. So we should outlaw country outlaw outlaw country, especially because that seems prominent in their record collection. We should also outlaw marijuana because it's a gateway drug. And it could lead to heroin and and more serious drugs. Did you see that front page of the Times on the weekend? It was like YouTubers lead to the radicalization of young yeah, men. That's what I'm talking and you about. The article, and he's like, I was looking at Gavin McInnes or whatever videos. And then the next thing you know, I was looking at harder stuff like Jared Taylor and um, and shit like that. And then the algorithm pointed me to this liberal uh, woman who was mocking them. And now I'm a liberal. And you're reading going, wait a minute. This article contradicts itself. Right. The smoking gun here is that the algorithm corrupted you, but you just said the algorithm brought you to liberal, and now you're a liberal. So he hammered out all these ideas, and now he's a normal liberal dude. What the? What is the point of this article? And it's cited like a Muslim woman as one of the things that 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 radicalized him. He was radical for like an hour or two, and he admitted. He was never alt right. And then he admitted he's watching this Muslim immigrants videos and, and she herself spoke out about the article and she said, wait a minute, I made someone hate Muslim immigrants. So I made a video that that made someone hate me. Are my videos that shitty that you come away from them going, I hate that bitch. I mean, what it you, was yeah. so, so half assed. And here's the other thing. So that a, that isn't true, but B say it was true. What, what's the solution to that? You hide ideas. Ooh, these ideas are dangerous. Ideas are never dangerous. If you want to present a long argument to me on why babies are sexy, go fucking nuts. And I will point out that you're insane. Uh, I can give you a million reasons why babies are not sexual, but it's not, it's not a dangerous idea. It's a disgusting notion, obviously. And if the act is ever carried out, that person should be executed. But this idea that there's these dangerous ideas and dangerous words, that's Victorian England, that's the new Puritans, that's the pilgrims I'm talking about, where they say, don't go over there, don't go into that lair, it's the danger lair. And all you end up doing, too, is making us more salacious and interesting. Inviting. What do you think, the, when, when you look at what's happening in Europe, and you have, you, have, you have a lot of migration, you have a lot, you have the refugee crisis, you have all of these things that are kind of deeply upsetting the dynamics of those societies. And then you have to a lesser degree, some of that happening in America, but it's nowhere near or near, you know, one per, we're, we have 1% Muslim population. Now within that population and liberals don't get this word, there's a disproportionate number of radicals. I mean, one in four American Muslim men between the ages of 18 and 24 think suicide bombing is sometimes or often justified. That's really bad. And there's this bullshit uh, stat that's going around that says white supremacists uh, commit as much more terrorism than Muslims. And then you look at their stats and, and they include things like some redneck shoots another redneck and they happen to be in the Klan. Oh, that's that's uh, racist terrorism. Uh, no, it's not. And they treat the Pulse nightclub shooting in the West Side Highway and all this other stuff as one incident. But even by their crazy stats, just like the New York Times article, you pile them up and it's like 10 versus nine. You go, wait a minute. 
you said that punch a Nazi and Trump's a Nazi and half the country are Nazis. So we got 50% of the population responsible for the same amount of terror as 1.1%. So even by your crazy standards, these people seem to not be blending in as well as, say, Sikhs and Urdus and Mexicans and Armenians and Turks and all these other cultures, Lebanese, that just seem to figure it out after a generation. I, I think Muslims tend to get more radical as they but show up. Like the Sarnoff brothers grew up pretty normal. Well, the Zornai brothers, there's all kinds of things there and there's all kinds of problems, you know, in terms of like, you know, the FBI knew who they were and they were potentially working. You know, the FBI might have recruited them as informants or whatever. And double. I mean, who knows? There's a, there's a lot there that's very strange. Um, why do the ruling class, in your estimation, of uh, have why did this decision get made where they were just going to go? All right. Everything's going to be open borders and the sacrifices that are made when you absorb these populations, because a lot of it, forget race or religion, a lot of it's just economic. The idea that like wealthy people love to have uh, landscapers and people doing their nails and tutors and things like that. And they can, you can pay them anything they want. They could kind of abuse them. Is that what you think it ultimately is? Do you think the ruling class just doesn't care? They live in gated communities. Uh, they, they don't need any, you know, in terms of resources, they're not on the lower end of the spectrum. They don't, they're not utilizing the, the types of government programs. They're not in hospital waiting rooms that are crowded. Their kids go to private schools. Is that basically what it is? They just are no longer invested in this idea of a country. Is that what it is? And is that what it is in Europe, too, where they just don't they don't look at this and go, well, this is a country where everybody has to make sacrifices. They just go, we're benefiting from this you know, low wage labor and that everyone else can fuck themselves. Yeah, it's just fashion. I mean, this has always been the case with the aristocrats. Oh, the Hulus are killing the Zulus and they're attacking the Wulus. And, oh, my heart bleeds for Africa. It's horrible what's happening over there. We're not even going to Zimbabwe for a summer safari this year. That's how bad it is. And people I love go, how wow. you call it. I love how you call it fashion because, like, there is some real truth to the idea that the majority of people I meet don't know even what they're saying. Like, especially in Los Angeles, you'll have lunch with people. And they're eating avocado. I was the other day. I was having avocado toast. It's a beautiful day. It's in Los Angeles. This guy pulls up. He's got a you know CLS Mercedes, and we sit down. And the woman's there, and she just got out of a beautiful BMW. And she goes, "You know, I never knew what it was like to live in a country that was really fascist, but now I do." And then she called the waiter over and ordered. She goes, "Do they have the lobster Benedict?" And I said, "These people are out of their fucking mind. <laughs> like they had, they don't even know what they're saying." They don't even know where they are. Fascism is you would be killed for saying what you just said, lady. <laughs> right. right. Like, we'd all be dead. That's the other funny thing, too, about all this pro-communist shit is you realize that you're the first to go. The entertainers, the creative types, the journalists, anyone who has anything to say, you're all gone. All the trades guys that you hate, they're doing great. All the rich people, they're fine, too. They They pay off the the guards to not fucking abduct them. You're the one that's going to die. dumbasses. So you um, think this is just basically people that are like, this is the fashion of the day. Here's proof. If someone's bitching about immigration, we're a nation of immigrants. They're separating families. You just go, I kind of have this Jim Gaffigan thing, right? Where I do this. Like, Why does he like hot pockets? <laughs> um, you say, you say, okay, uh, with the kids being separate. Okay, you tell me what to do. 
a man and a kid come over the border, uh, let them go. Okay, so we have no borders. Well, okay, well, then arrest them, but don't separate them. So kids go to an adult holding cell? Is that, so you want kids in jail with other criminals? They're not criminals. Okay, well, we need a, a holding cell. So we have kids, and we have no proof that's their actual kid. He could just be a trick. Or it's much simpler than that. You just say, how many legals are there in this country? Now, uh, uh, the, the far left says it's like 12 to 15 million. The right says it's 30 million. But I'll take any answer in there. And that'll be fine. I once got an answer, 8 billion. And you realize, wait a minute, you have never looked this up. You don't give a shit. About, this is all fat. If they haven't looked it up, it's fashion. Or here's another test. They go, Trump's such a racist. I can't believe I'm a racist. And you go, what exactly, what sentence, what did he say that's racist? And they'll go, Pfft. they always say the exact same thing. They always go, everything. And you go, okay, well, then it'll be easy to choose one. Just give me one. Oh, pff, I mean, where do I even start? Basically everything. Okay, so um, I'll happily take one. Oh, pff, I don't know, everything. I mean, basically everything he says. And you look, fuck you. You're wasting my time, you poser. You don't think any of this is fucking true. You well, just- are, yeah, he said things like the Mexican rapist and stuff like that. I mean, he's, you know, slow he's- Slow down, slow yeah. down. Why are you gay? Um, he said- they're not sending their best. And he talked about a disproportionate number of rapists that are coming over the border illegally. The coyotes who take these women over, about 80% of them are raped during this. Rape is part of the culture there. It's just, it's a rape culture. It's literally a rape culture, this border crossing thing. So if you were to take a sample of the illegals who cross the border illegally or a sample of Mexicans, you're going to find way more rapists in the first sample of the guys who cross. So well, he, but. We're crossing they, the border. They are sending rapists. They are sending criminals. That has been a tactic right. of Mexico. A way to, it's a, I don't think that rape is a part of Mexican culture. It might be a part of the culture of human trafficking and people crossing the border and people preying on desperate people, you know? But I don't yes, know that it's a part that, of it. And it all, a disproportionate number of criminals, including rapists, are also coming over. Like, don't you think if, if, if Canadians were getting raped as they crossed the border, there'd be more indignation if it wasn't a normal thing? It is a normal thing, not in Mexico, but in that right. particular graphic that's crossing over. And the Mexican authorities have been very vocal about the fact that they want their bad guys to go up there. It's, it's a free prison. I don't have them in my society. You deal with my garbage. Right. Well, I am pro Canadians getting raped as they come into the country. I think that's they should have to before they get here to just just to chill them out. Um, but are you disappointed with Trump at all? I mean, there's a lot of people on the right and Coulter famously who's like he's done nothing. He's employed his kids. Uh, the You know, the whole thing has basically become kind of a weird, uh, you know, kleptocracy in a way. He's making money and they're doing business deals. But Nobody seems that confident, he, you know, that the wall is not being built. Like, do you look at this and go, he's a fraud, he's a huckster, we all got sold a bill of goods? Or do you look at it and go, you know, there's other extenuating circumstances for why he hasn't gotten any of this done? Where do you fall? Are you one of these guys who's like, well, I'm going to endorse Andrew Yang now? Or, or well, how do you feel? I, I feel I still have faith, but I Anne is right about just about everything that comes out of her mouth. I still have faith in the wall. She's given up on the wall. Uh, she hates Jared Kushner. I couldn't agree more. That's something the left doesn't understand. My kids get Mad Magazine, and they're very left-wing, and there's all this anti-Ivanka, anti-Jared stuff in it, and they think it makes Trump people get mad. We fucking hate Ivanka. 
Why is your daughter in the White House? We didn't vote for Hillary because we said it's just the, a good president's wife. Who's next? His cousin? And then the daughter of the guy we elected because we hate monarchies starts pulling in his fucking son-in-law and his stupid bitch daughter. What the fuck is she doing there? At least the boys, he keeps them, you know, they can talk to the media and stuff, but he doesn't get them inexorably involved in the government. That, that, that's not what we voted for. So on the downside, I would say I'm disappointed in the wall. I don't like the children getting involved. On the upside, the economy is on fucking fire. It's yeah. never been better. Black unemployment hasn't been this, this perfect since slavery. Do you think he, do you think Trump <laughs> ever, <laughs> you well, you know book? what it is? I would laugh more. It's when we laugh at the same time, the sound disintegrates, but I've been wow. laughing at, at, at a lot of what you said. Makes a lot of people, unfunny. you don't laugh at that. No, it's, I, I'm laughing at everything you say, but the, it's, it's because we're forced to fucking communicate. I feel like it's pirate radio. Like we're talking through fucking weird plastic cups and with that are attached through, you know, I mean, it's great. How does this deplatforming thing end? Does it end where everybody just goes and sets up what you set up, which is free speech TV? We're talking a little bit about this before you came on the show. And and I know Milo is with you too. Milo, Milo. Is it Milo or Milo? Number one. It's Milo. Okay. Milo. So my, Milo's on there with you. And is this the future for everybody? Or do you think YouTube and and Twitter and these things, Facebook, all whatever, is the future? This week, because I talked to somebody and I said, you know, the future is just going to be people arguing and fighting for forever. And somebody said to me, no, all of these tech companies are trying to eliminate all that. They don't wait. The future is just going to be serene in, 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 a, in a corporate sense, in the way that like, you know, it's just basically you walk into a room and it's quiet and you can say things that are approved and they're they're shoving ads for products down your throat. But do you think you can save any of these tech companies or is this just over and everybody's going to have to just get their own situation? Well, that's a great question. And neither of, those out neither of those outcomes are really good. I mean, I can afford to have I have a big enough following that I can charge people and then make enough money that I can have a studio and, and you know, invite guests and, and go do other stuff. That's what a fraction of 1% of the population. What do the other people do? They can't charge $10 a month for someone to go hear them and to go have discussions with other people. So I don't think the everyone has a website is, is such a great solution um, because not everyone can do that. And say you're some guy that nobody knows, then you're, you've got like bobbydoherty.com and you're just posting there and no one's seeing it. Whereas with Twitter, you could comment on someone's thing and people would get to know you and it, and it was much more democratic that way. Um, and then the other solution where, okay, you can go on Twitter if you talk like, like you're in a corporate setting. That's not America. That's Soviet Russia. That's North Korea. That's China. You know how America was born? The Brits made the huge mistake of insisting that the whole East Coast had all these different newspapers. And they insisted that there was dissent amongst the papers. And there was a right-wing paper and a left-wing paper. And that was dumb. Because people started getting to know the truth and started figuring out stuff. And eventually someone goes, why are we even letting the Brits run us? Like, why are we sending money to some king across the ocean? And then they had a revolution and they went and became America. So inexorably linked to the history of this country, the whole formation is it's about arguing. We're an arguing country. We're a, a figuring it out. We're an open discussion, free speech country. And to take that away and have to speak in code, like already 
I heard today, we always say clown world when we talk about how insane shit's gotten and how shoelaces are racist and it's sexist to open the door for someone. And we go, this is fucking, is this peak clown world? Like my babysitter's boyfriend just dumped her because she works for me. So her dad has told her, hey, you can't, uh, you can't date her anymore. Meanwhile, by the way, if my dad ever told me who I can date, I would laugh in his face and tell him right. fuck off. Right. But, but anyway, that's clown world. And other people, now clown world is getting banned. So people have been just saying honk. And now honk has become like a hate speech word. So how North Korean is that? You can't say clown world, so you can say honk, and then you can't say honk. Like the fucking okay symbol. Can you see any reason that someone would be justifiably banned? Like if they're doxing people, if they're harassing or threatening. I mean, there's there's got to be some line and i agree with you i don't i don't believe that you can ban somebody for the things they uh the opinions they express but if if somebody's you know going after somebody online and doxing them harassing them putting their private information out there i mean there's 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 got to be some look there's let's take a thousand people right i'd say about 500 of them are are to right of center 500 of them are, are to left of center uh no, no, I wouldn't say that anymore as far as the general. No, 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 I would say that. Okay. But as far as the media goes, though, I would say the media is like 80% on the left, uh, including some radicals. But so it's 500, 500 as far as your average American, right? Um, I would say that out of that thousand, there's maybe 30. No, 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 no. Out of that thousand, there's maybe like seven. Shitty guys, Holocaust denying, Nazi, Nazi, racial identity, white genocide, white power, all that shit. Seven, right? Um, as far as the far left, though, with all this like white people needn't need to apply to jobs and all that stuff, I would say it's more like 200. <laughs> a yeah. fuck of a lot. But we keep talking about these seven people. We keep talking about Heather Heyer and Charlottesville again and again and again. I When I started uh, Street Carnage, my old site, I was like, Total free speech, man. I don't give a fuck what you say. Anyone can get on here. And then I noticed there were these one or two dudes that would keep talking about Jews and the G- the JQ, the Jewish question, and what really happened in the Holocaust. And they were so fucking fixated on it. Like Mike Cernovich says, he goes, I'll talk about Jews like once a month or something. But and I got to talk about other cultures, too. You guys are obsessed. And what those people do is that tiny percentage of seven out of a thousand, they bomb everyone out. They drag the conversation down. I think Twitter did have a Nazi problem uh, a long time ago, maybe like five years ago. And it was like the, the picture of the Shylock Jew, like rubbing his hands together with the big schnoz, that cartoon on every yeah. single Jew person. And they successfully got rid of those guys. Great. I mean, you can't not get rid of those guys. They are fucked in the head. They, they, if it rains on their birthday, the Jews did it. The Jews dominate media. They, you, you know, they don't talk about how the Jews dominate medicine or any other thing. Um, they are consumed and they're fucking boring. So yes, you do have to take care of those. But what the, the left has done is they said, oh, that was successful. Let's use that same thing and say everyone's a Nazi. Steven Crowder's a Nazi. Ben Shapiro was blamed for the shooting at that synagogue in Philly. Someone was saying it's it's that kind of speech that leads to these synagogue shootings. Uh, Alan Dershowitz is called a Nazi. He's been totally ostracized by his friends. This guy has been fighting. He fought. Uh, he defended O.J. Simpson, and he doesn't have the stigma that he gets now for defending Trump. 
And they've used that justifiable and true thing. Nazis are a pain in the ass. You got to kick them out of the party because they ruin everything. And they've dragged it into everyone now. Is it Nazi? And it's turned Twitter into that corporate thing you described where there's just no fucking fun. And, you know, you watch old TV or you watch Archie Bunker. And I honestly think there was less racism when people could be racist. Like at my boxing gym, the way people talk to him is like, look at this fucking Puerto Rican. Classic Puerto Rican, you know, you got to or, or, you know, there we were ordering lunch today and and uh, what was it? Uh, yeah. One of the burgers was called Spanish beef. And it's like that's when a Puerto Rican wants to kick your ass and you got to face him. That's how blacks and, and Hispanics. Well, and it's working, also I, I, I think the big divide, the big divide is working class people, like you just said, because when you talk to people that have only been in these situations in, you know, in writers rooms or Ivy League schools, They've never worked a shitty job. I've worked shitty jobs. I've worked with people from every country in the world, in New York City, on a tour bus, where everybody would shit on each other. And and racial humor, I, one of my cousins loads a truck, and they all shit on each other. And that's how people become friends when you work at a shitty job in a working class environment. But I think, so here's my other question to you. If we do recognize that class plays a role in it, is there anything at all? about Ocasio-Cortez that you like? Or is there anything at all about the people on the left that you like? Some of the people... Now, obviously, it's a tough question to ask you because you've been through the ringer with some crazy people, you know, whatever. Um, but is there anything on the left that you would say to yourself, I understand the anger and the frustration at a, at a healthcare system that's, that's completely broken uh, because, you know, the, the plutocrat wealthy, whether they are Republicans or Democrats, and there's not, doesn't seem to be a huge difference. Ann Coulter used to call them the uniparty. I think you, you might have as well. Um, is there anything on the left that you could, you, could, you could say, you know what, that might make a little sense. Is there anything that Ocasio-Cortez does where you go, you know what, she's right about that? No. She's a retard. I think she's a pawn. I think she's basically her scripts are written for her. She, she, does, like, she was talking the other day about uh, overspending in the uh, with the government and the military and she was eviscerating this group who had been charging things like thirteen thousand dollars for a toilet seat and that kind of thing this is an old scam that goes back to the 80s where you go through the invoices of some of these contractors working through the american military and you see like a 700 hundred dollar pen a golden toilet i mean it, it goes it goes way back and it's an example of of corruption and i'm looking at her going hey alexandria um, your whole ethos is the government needs more money and we have to pay the government more money. And here you are listing how shitty they are with money, how they'll spend $700 on a pen. I don't want, you're right, by the way, that this company ripped off the government. I don't want the government having more money. So her and Ilhan Omar and the other one whose name I can't remember, the Palestinian chick, I think they're all radicals. And they personify the tutu where they go, um, uh, Trump was a Nazi, so we're going to be the anti-Nazis. Trump not a, isn't a Nazi, so these three don't make any sense. But what's her name? Rashida Tlaib. We're going to impeach that motherfucker. Um, so I, I don't see any redeeming qualities of them. I think they're really bad for – actually, they're good for Republicans because they're going to get Trump reelected with all their, their stupid shit they say. But the left in yeah. general, that's a totally different story. I mean, Cornell West is is – erudite erudite he's a sophisticated thinker 
he's a, a true genius. And I, I noticed this with a lot of older liberals, like the Berkeley 1960s guys who were carrying the free speech banners, the classical liberals, as they're called, um, and the ones that speak to the right, like Jordan Peterson and Sargon of Akkad and Dave Rubin. But even on the <clears throat> you know, normal liberal spectrum, like Bill Maher, at least Bill Maher has the courage to, to call out his side. When, and so many people are about like sports with this, where they won't criticize their side. Bill Maher will, will say political correctness is killing us. And I think that there's a lot of normal liberals out there that we're not hearing of that go, hey, Cortez, could you shut up about the no fossil fuels and how the earth is going to be over in 15 years? You're making us look like imbeciles, hysterical imbeciles. But Noam Chomsky, Mark Lamont Hill, I mean, I get along with a lot of people on the left. And that's kind of what I'm doing with this show. I'm saying... You all you hear about us is that we're Nazis and white supremacists. All we hear about you is that you're retarded children. Um, let's sit each other in a room. And what I find is people actually disagree on very few things once they all have the facts. Like uh, I was arguing with Sarah Silverman the other day, and and she's like, you know, uh, there's a real war on women right now, and you criticize feminism, and I go. And she talked about the rapist law where in Alabama where a rapist will have parental rights after she's forced to have the child. And I'm like, Sarah, you don't you don't talk to people on this side. We hate that rapist law. We think that's fucking mental. That's very esoterical. And as far as abortion being anti-woman, almost 50 percent of women in this country are pro-life. So it's not a woman man thing. It's a, an ethical question about when the thing is alive. You know, women aren't allowed to shoot people in the head. And that's not taking away their choice. And I, I think the problem with, with, with her and a lot of liberals, and she's a great person, by the way, with a good heart, and so are a lot of these annoying people. Like, I used to be friends with Samantha B. You should see her with her kids. She's the best mother ever. Super funny, too. Like, I'm going to call the cops. There's too many monkeys jumping, jumping on the bed. Quality people. David Cross, when we used to hang out all the time, when he, had, he was making tons of money uh, at the time, and he'd go on vacation and then make sure the money he spent on vacation, he also donated to Wounded Warrior Project. So the idea that all these liberals are stupid assholes is, is something I want to get over. And the idea that all, all right-wingers are, are Nazis is something that I, I want to disprove, too. I, I don't even believe in views. I remember I was at Fox News once, and this black dude comes up, and he's like, yo, man, I don't uh, – an editor there. And he's like, I don't really agree with any of the shit you say, but I respect the fact that you have the balls to say it. And I'm like, dude, what, what, I don't have views. Give me a bunch of data. And I'll come up with a general hypothesis based on this data. You show me a flaw with my data or you have different data, I'm changing my mind. Like if cops really were assassinating black people, let's, let's go fucking hunt some cops. This is horrible. But then you look into it and you go, no, that's not really a trend. You're lying. And you're actually getting cops killed by lying that they're hunting down people. So way to go with that right. one. But I, I think we're all on the same page. Like we'll, we'll never agree on music. We'll never agree on food. Those are all taste. But as far as political policy, it's just a matter of getting all the facts and talking to enough people, getting to know enough people. So the f final question here, because this will wrap it up, and then I want you to tell people about what you're doing, where your wrap new show, what I'm your new, <laughs> what your new show is, um, and what you're trying to do with it. But the final question is like, what do you see the future being? Do you think this? Do we stay? at each other's throats in the way that we've been or is this going to abate? Cause the way I hate my business used to be about having fun 
And it used to be about making people laugh. And that's why I got into it. I'm not really a political person. I like having fun political arguments, but I'm not, I'm not a fucking ideological person because that's boring. That's what fucking boring people do. That's what my parents and, you know, it's like, I want to just go issue by issue because I want to be funny and I want to poke holes in things. And if I have a religious view about certain things, that's going to make me less funny. And you see a lot of bad comedy right now coming from people just the way that, you know, super evangelical Christians would probably have a problem with with uh, or, or, or fundamentalist Muslims or anyone would have a problem with 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 certain types of comedy because a fundamental, uh, you know, fundamentalist attitude is not a great it's just not good for thinking. And that's what you need to be funny. So does this ever abate or, or because this is just there's so many fucking people now. And I, I've always said politics is like it's become a refuge for uninteresting people. And no matter yeah. what people can say about you, you're an interesting guy. But there's a lot of people out there where you can tell that these Twitter fights they get in, this is their entire life. They have nothing else going on. They have nothing else to offer. So do, does this ever abate or does this just continue forever and ever and ever? Well, it's going to keep getting worse. And that's I'm just a natural fighter. I think it's the Scots that, you know, they got terrorized by the English for 700 years and it just bred a bunch of people that like to brawl. The ones that don't like problems are are dead. And so I'm going to keep fighting this. I'm going to keep trying to bring people together. You know, Charles Murray predicted all this shit in his book, Coming Apart. He said, we're getting more like Britain where there's like the elites and the working class and nary the two shall meet. And then you start building up rumors and myths and, and, and lies about e- either group. And then they get even farther apart. And then they're just in these bubbles where that side is fucking nuts. I hate these. It's the Yankees and the, and the Red Sox. But when they start going after comedy, it goes from just wrecking the party. Cause that's what political correctness has done so far. It wrecked movies, where all these girls have to be kick-ass and beat up everyone, and it's just boring to watch. And Star Wars is all about 700 different types of heroes, so no one's feelings are hurt. And uh, uh, and then it, it it ruined music, where all these bands are getting kicked off labels. Like in Austin alone, I know of three bands that have had their careers decimated for saying something considered to be unacceptable. But when when they start attacking comedians, that's when it's getting dangerous. Or pundits like me. We are the valve releases on the pressure cooker. It's like cops. If a cop has to pick up a body part, like say someone jumps in front of a subway, the cop has to put all those parts in a bag. And sometimes he'll pick up a human head and be like, hey, this really does feel like a bowling ball. He's now sane, right? He let that release. They they can laugh or they'll cry. They're really coming down on the NYPD now. And they're they're uh, castigating people who make inappropriate comments. And cop suicide is going up because there's not those release valves. But when they get rid of the comedians and they get rid rid of the weirdos, the Laura Loomers, the Gavin McInneses, the the Milos, then the the pressure keeps building and building, and you end up with a lot more animosity and stress and tension, and you end up with a, a sort of a monolithic Soviet Russia where people aren't happy. Like for, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Can I say the N word on your show? I mean, at this point, absolutely. Okay. So Zach about to say the N word, everybody. I just want to let everyone know. I want to prepare them. Trigger warning. If it, if you get triggered, if you've never heard a rap song, if this is the first time you've heard it, go for it. Leave the room. So Zach Galifianakis used to have this joke and he said, there's, uh, there's this one word people, I mean, I love Arabs and I, and I would never use a derogatory term for them, but there was a word that some use 
to describe people from the Middle East, and it's ugh, I even hate saying it, and it's sand nigger, and I ugh, I would never ever say a word like that. Well, I mean, I might like here in America, I might be like, hey, get off that sand nigger. This is my beach. You know, you're not allowed on this on this part of the beach. And he doesn't say that joke anymore, and he can he regrets ever saying it. But if you really listen to that joke, it's a parody of racism. Like, Zach Galifianakis doesn't own a whites-only beach. There are no whites-only beaches in America. So you're, you're mocking the absurdity of racism and what it must have been like, you know, in the 50s and 60s when I guess they did have the, you know, those segregation, not I guess, I know they had those segregation rules. So he doesn't do that joke, he avoids that. So now you can't lampoon racism. So the irony of all this censorship and political correctness is in the, in the urge to save people from evil and bigotry and racism, you're actually preventing it from being lampooned. And that gives it more authority and strength. So I think these, these groups and all this, all this crusading is actually creating more hate and more racism. And back when we could all joke around, you know, they didn't have power. I, I've, I've talked to people who were molested and they told me there's a common thread with their stories. And they say, once I started laughing at him, it stopped because he lost all his authority. And I remember one night I was 10 or whatever, and I pointed at him. I just started laughing. And then he was mortified and left the room and he never touched me again. We need to be able to laugh at evil or it will fester and, and promulgate. Is that a well, word? Promulgate? I don't know, but I, I will tell the N word is a word. I know that, but I don't know. Prom, I think promulgate is a word too. They're both words. Um, I appreciate you coming on. I think, I really think that it, it this, we, we're in a weird place. Cause I know some people, I don't think a lot of people get mad that you came on by the way, but I think some people say, Oh, you're having that guy on you. Give it a not be a platform. That's what yeah. they always say. And yeah. it's crazy. Cause yeah. they're giving you shit for talking to someone. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I just don't think that that way of thinking just goes to such a fucking, not only a bad place, but an uninteresting place. It goes to a boring place. And to me, as a comedian, as somebody who talks like who the fuck wants to be boring and who the fuck. So I appreciate you coming on. I will come on your show whenever you want. I will absolutely do that. And what is your new venture? What is the new site? Proliferate was the word I was okay. trying to think. But a pomegranate got in there and it changed the whole thing. Uh, the new site is freespeech.tv and it's like pros and cons, progressives and conservatives coming together, seeing what they agree on first, and then they can argue later and see what they disagree on. And uh, it's going great. We've had, uh, uh, we had Cornell West and Naomi and uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. We had... Uh, Mark Lamont Hill and Roger Stone. We're going to have Ann Coulter, uh, Cynthia Nixon, Michelle Malkin. Uh, oh, I forget who she's paired up with, but it's a, a liberal doctor guy. Uh, Noam Chomsky. I think we're going to we're going to get Candace Owens. Always a liberal and a conservative. Always civil. Always quiet. It's always in a bar. And the theme is like a it's like a speakeasy because because free speech is prohibited. It's prohibition. So we sneak in there and you say your your secret code and you can go in there and and listening and the cops show up and we have to run out the back. But then I also do other stuff on it just to, you know, in between all those uh, sit down interviews where I, I do a daily sort of a news thing where I talk about what happened that day and make fun of movies and videos. And I also go through all my old records and talk about various bands. And then we do sketches and 
and I fought this dude, Copper Cab, who is a giant beast, but punched like a baby girl. <laughs> Huge variety. So freespeech.tv, if you guys want to check that out. Your podcast is called Get Off My Lawn, and it's on Apple Podcasts for at least another 15 to 20 minutes. And <laughs> then and then uh, you're on YouTube. And um, I listen, man, people got to start talking, and people got to fucking relax. Well, it, you know, when you and I get together, it's constant yeah. laughs. And you yes. listen to this particular episode, and you'd think we both worked for the Senate or something. No, you That's know what the... the yeah, let's all be serious. And it's not you and I, when we talk normally, it's you know, so we funny. don't talk about fucking global warming or censorship. <laughs> We're like making fun of people's pants and they, they've stripped that away from us. No. And but here's the thing. When we do your show or when I come out to see you, it'll be totally different. The tech was an issue here because if we laugh at the same time or talk at the same time, this whole thing disintegrates. But I think this was a good episode, too, because there's a lot of people out there who don't know who you are or that have heard these crazy things, and you come on here, and you make arguments. Now, they could agree with them or disagree with them, but you're like, and I'm going to get fucked for saying this, but you're like, you're a rational, reasonable guy. And I don't know, I mean, I don't know what else. People could disagree. People could go, no, I, I disagree with them on trans people. I disagree with them on that. But the idea that you're like carrying a torch making people unsafe is not the case. And I think it's that type of stuff that people will listen to this episode and they will hear, but I, I agree with you. I think hopefully the next thing we do better tech funnier. Yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm not just talking about this podcast. I'm talking about the climate in general. Like right. when Sarah contacted me, I hadn't spoken to her in years and she's like, Hey, remember that funny thing where that guy was reeked and whatever. And, and what are you doing? The proud boys, is that kind of racist? What's going on there? And I'm just like, look, here's what's going on. People are going to jail. And I got super heavy into it instead of just being fun and happy because I don't know. I feel like we're in a fucking war zone. And, and when I first talk to people or when I'm making something public like this, you have to spend the first hour debunking myths and then you can relax and go so anyway who farted right right well the myths are debunked i mean it's i mean i mean that's you know we, we we've done it is sarah gonna do the show she, hopefully she'll do the show that you're uh that you're doing yeah yeah it's a possibility i you know with someone like that you don't want to ask because you know that 100 percent of the time when she talks to someone they go can you come on my podcast right so I'll let it fester a bit. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on, man. I'm, I look forward to seeing you. I will do your show. And uh, I think this is good. This is an education for people. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's like life's too short. Life is about more than politics, folks. Get over it. You know, life's that's too short to be gay. Don't be gay. I listen, Gavin, you know that I've said that more than anyone. Fat. Why are you gay? Have you seen that, by the way, that meme? It's like an African interview. And he's like, we are sitting with the head of the LGBTQ. First question, why are you gay? <laughs> All right, question. buddy. You're the best. I will look for that meme. Well, maybe we'll put that meme out with this episode. <laughs> you should. It's awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Gavin. I appreciate it. See you, man.